0: This show is furnished by the Cochrane Firm.
1: AM 790 Talk Radio. It's a wonderful afternoon. We are coming to you live from Culver City with a nation divided. I am Brian Thomas Dunn, sitting in a socially distant, relevant
2: distance. Not that socially distant. From Mr. James Oates. How you doing, brother? I'm not hungry today, but I am missing going out and eating. I'm missing going out to cool places we usually go out to, you know? I'm missing just hanging out with with folks at bars and stuff, man. I am. But you
1: know, we're looking at now. It has come to my attention that it is week five uh, of the stay-at-home order. Our business has been uh, stay-at-home.
3: Yeah, yeah. Our business has been basically shut down for
1: five weeks. Five weeks, and we're starting to wonder (laughs) that we're starting to feel a little bit guilty because, on some level that we don't want to talk about in the hidden recesses of our mind. We
2: kind of like not going to work, <laughs> <laughs> right? And the whole thing is, it took so long to get used to this. We shouldn't laugh about it so much because we're fortunate that we can actually not work and feel like, nah, we're probably going to be able to get back to it. That there's is a lot correct. Of people that aren't like that. But there's some
1: good things, folks. I mean, I have never—I've been living in Los Angeles my whole life, 51 years. I have never seen the air this clear. You
2: can actually see the mountains. You can see the sky. Like, I can so, see the mountains in the distance. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah,
1: if you're sensitive to this kind of thing, you can actually feel it as well.
2: Traffic, the traffic's been great. Right. Although, have you noticed in the last couple of days there's more it's people on the It's picking back up. It yeah, is definitely picking why. back
1: up. But we, we still have some major problems, folks. And I mean, what is unemployment now nationwide?
2: Oh, it's terrible. It's like, I think the, the latest report was 22 million unemployed. And that's on the unemployment rolls right now. That's not people that have fallen off the edges. And it's normally like four or five million.
1: Wow. So, folks, today what we're going to be talking about is something kind of different. And obviously we're dealing with the fact that our lives have changed. Uh, we're dealing with a very new normal. Obviously it's not going to last. Will it end on May 5th? Will it end later? Who knows? But at some point this is going to come to an end. Uh, I'll have to see people in, you know, in the office wondering Eventually. what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, what, What's your name what, again? Wait, wait, what you I kind of yeah. forgot. <laughs> Wait, what's yes. your role here? What My the hell are you? Wait, are you who are, Wait, who's are you? are you? Do you belong here? Yeah. But folks, what we're going to talk about is something that we may uh take for granted, but it's just the concept of food. We're going to be talking about food today. And we're going to be talking about situations that are unprecedented, really, in terms of how food is not getting to Americans the way that it normally would. And when we think about issues of, of inequality and when we think about issues uh, of uh things that we have to really take seriously in terms of how the haves are receiving things versus the have nots we think of education sometimes we think of the access of administration of justice i think yes, about that a lot a lot healthcare employment but the the situation of food is something that we really don't think about Along those same lines. Not a
2: lot. A lot of people don't think about it at all.
1: And and we've got some pretty major issues, Jim. You were telling me about it.
2: Well, you know, going into even before the coronavirus thing even hit, it's becoming a, a, a more popular topic. But But they categorize you know you have people that are living below the poverty line and then they there's sort of a new catchphrase uh, food insecurity is what they say food food, insecurity insecurity.
1: not having food will make you insecure yeah right that's the kind of insecurity of the refrigerator is empty i am feeling insecure
2: but what they're saying with that is they're not saying that they can't get any food they're just saying they can't get good food right they're getting processed food they get bad food like the examples they draw are places like queens new york where they don't have in queens there's like no big grocery stores there's not a whole foods or Everything right. like that. it's lots right. of little corner markets that just have like cans of beans and miscellaneous stuff and lots of processed food so they call that food insecurity well before the coronavirus before this even started the numbers they were talking about like 37 million americans living in areas of the country where they are food insecure right or they have right. food insecurity
1: right and th- this has created some other problems folks and when we look at what's happening with the economy uh, we're dealing literally with unprecedented levels of unemployment right now I mean, this is just way off the charts in terms of anything that, yeah, that we thought was back at
2: at the level. They're saying right now, but it is at the level that it was during the Great Depression.
1: Wow. Yeah. And so when we think about that, we're also thinking about basic things. Uh, There are many areas of the nation. Thankfully, California has not risen to those ranks yet, but where they're simply not able to get the food. And it's not that the food is not there. It's that It's not being able to be processed.
2: Yeah, the food's in the – farm. like the farmers have the food. There's still the cows there. The chickens are there. Right. But it's not getting to people.
1: And when we think about the agricultural uh, industry, I mean we we don't really as Americans think about how that food gets to Ralph's or how it gets to Vons. But there is a very complex web of systems that cause that to happen. I mean you have the farmer where it starts – and the, the number of farmers uh, right now is around 125,000 in California. But then you have this other element called the food processor. And the food processors take what is given to them by the farmer in the form of a, an animal that is dead. right? And they turn it or, into or some...
2: vegetables or whatever. Yeah, they package it.
1: Right. And they turn it into something that you can buy at Ralph's. And there is a comparatively small number of these individuals just in terms of the system, the way that it works. And what happens, Jim, when a food processing plant has some of the infected workers?
2: Well, you know, like you you were looking – you drew you drew this number up earlier, Brian. You're the one that, that found this. The number that just in the state of California alone, right, that we have like 6,000? It's like 5 – yeah, 5,800. 5,800 meat processing and, and packaging employees in the state of California. Versus
1: 125,000 farmers.
2: 125,000 farmers and right. ranchers in the state of California. So that's the bottleneck. That's the place where if you're going to have a problem in that food chain, that's probably where you're going to have it.
1: So we're seeing some shocking numbers, folks. Millions and millions of gallons of milk are just being spilled away, wasted. Mm-hmm. There are hundreds of thousands of tons of meat and poultry.
2: And vegetables of all different varieties. Yeah. All that are just not going anywhere food. at yeah, all. Have to be destroyed. They're, they're, they're destroying. Like, there's nowhere. Crops, right? Yeah, Yeah. And, and for lots of different reasons. But the point is the food is getting destroyed basically and it's not getting to people who need it.
1: There is no one to process it. So this is creating some problems that are becoming very real consequences for a lot of Americans. And uh, I don't know if anyone out there has had to deal with the experience of waiting in a line over a mile long uh, to get to a grocery store. Or simply in some remote parts of our nation, simply not being able to get to a place where food can be sold to you. Right. And this is something that we're just not used to. But we're also thinking about other things. Because when we think about food, we also think about some of the other issues that are related to how people are dying based on this coronavirus. Now, if I were going to paint a picture for you, this is something that I actually saw the other day. This woman was about, I don't know, about 5'4", five, 5'5", five, five, probably pushing about 280 pounds. She's got... A state of the art mask on. This is like something from the Air Force. It probably.
3: It's <laughs> like, like space a $300 yeah, got mask. Spacesuit
2: thing on. Yeah, exactly. got the, yeah, got all the gloves, got the double triple cover. Yeah, right. I've seen them.
1: But she has two armfuls of grocery bags full of McDonald's that she's taking home, presumably to feed her family for a few days. Now, the mask is right on time. She's not going to get the coronavirus.
2: Oh, yeah, for sure.
1: Not that, not through that mask. Nothing's yeah. getting through that mask.
2: Not that mask.
1: But what is really happening? With regard to those two armloads of McDonald's that she's taken to her folks. Now, we have really started to really understand not just how people are getting this virus, but how people are dying of it. And it's almost universally correlated to some kind of underlying health problem.
2: Yeah, that's what they're all saying is that it's the underlying issue. So when you talk about the mortality rate of coronavirus, it's not just how many people are getting it, Right. It's underlying issues. It's, it's whether you've got, and then CDC lists them out. They list them right. out. Of course, there's like, they see people who've got cancer, right? Because they're on drugs that could obviously hurt their immune system. People who have are immunocompromised otherwise. But the other two major things, heart disease, diabetes. Exactly. And when you start thinking about these other things,
1: as our analysts are de- determining things based on the patterns that we're seeing in terms of who is showing up at the hospitals, who is unfortunately perishing, we're starting to see that Certain things that have been replicated in terms of the underlying health problems are making their way into the individuals dying uh, of coronavirus. And we're talking about people who are suffering from hypertension, people who are suffering from diabetes, people who, uh, in my case, that are cancer survivors. We're going to be looking at some of these issues, folks, and we're going to be talking about what is very pressing in terms of how we have taken for granted The way that we have processed food, and there's so many things that we have accepted that are actually working to end our lives as Americans. And we're going to open up the discussion when we come back, folks. This is a nation divided, and we're going to be right back.
0: Hunkered down at home. I'm
3: going crazy!
0: Spend your day with AM790KABC and Alexa. Get the latest coronavirus news on air, online, and on your smart speaker. Stay safe, stay informed. AM790KABC.
1: Welcome back, folks. We are AM790 Talk Radio. This is A Nation Divided, coming to you live from Culver City in week five of this strange world that we are in. I am Brian Dunn, sitting across from my best friend, Mr. James Oates. And as we start talking about issues related to food, uh, this is how I want to discuss this, folks. We have to start thinking about why people are dying from coronavirus. But one of the things that this particular virus is doing is it's shedding light on overall problems with health care that exist generally within our nation. Have we ever really, really wrapped our arms around the number one cause of death in this nation, which is heart disease? We are taking very seriously the concept of not touching our faces.
2: Oh, man. Yeah. People are crazy. Yeah.
1: Wearing masks.
2: They're going to they're going to pay attention to that. Absolutely.
1: But have we ever really taken seriously issues related to the amount of sodium that we're consuming? Issues related to the amount of sugar that we eat as a nation compared to every other nation. And when we start seeing basically the evidence of all of these things, we're seeing that coronavirus, by and large, it's not taking us out as Americans in isolation. It's taking us out in conjunction with some other things.
2: Well, it's like the thing we were talking about before, Brian. So, like I said, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure this out. So we know that it's been reported very widely that that people, peoples of color primarily. But, you know, we're, talk- we're probably talking about people that are coming from less affluent places, you know, impoverished places in the United States. They're dying from coronavirus at higher rates. Right. And it's like two to three to four times the rate. Right. Well, you go to those same places, you look at those same populations of people, people of color, they have two to three times the rate of heart disease to and three. diabetes, right? right? And so then the CDC comes out and says, well, one of the reasons that people die because they get the coronavirus is because they already had diabetes or heart disease. So it doesn't right. take a rock science to figure out that what it ultimately is, is it kind of comes back down to what amounts to, you can call it lifestyle, some people call it that, but there's a different way of looking at it and that's the food insecurity thing, the idea that people don't have the choice.
1: And we're going to be dealing with some different... Uh, Consciousness, uh, consciousness raising modalities. I mean,
2: I think essentially with, is With regard is to it,
1: how we're going to look at food and how we're going to make food. Because what's going to happen is once there is a shortage and, and once people are really realizing that life is not normal, there's going to have to be a call for change. But the issues, folks, that I want to talk about are have we taken food for granted? Have we taken the effect of what it is that we eat on our overall health? For granted, is this something that we have yet to analyze? And if you'd like to join the discussion, folks, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at 1-800-222-5222. one 222 kbc And this is the issue. Should we look at food and what we eat as seriously as we're looking at social distancing? Should we look at it as seriously as we're looking at how important it is to wear a mask or how important it is to stay at home and not be around others. Because in reality, is coronavirus, the virus, is all of this COVID-19, is it just merely shining a light on some of the pre-existing problems that we have already had as Americans in terms of our approach to nutrition, our approach to health care? And all of these other things. What do well, you
2: think? Well, the whole thing is that, that coronavirus is revealing a lot of fragility in our system. It, it doesn't – whether it's, it's the, our economic system, right? You look at the economy as a whole or you look at industry. You look at the way we do things. Food distribution here right. obviously is is starting to show itself. We see it in the grocery stores. You don't have to right. read all of these reports to see that it's had a real effect. but. But coronavirus is is bringing all of that to light. The question I kind of come back to is this thing of – it's almost like a moral question really. You got to ask yourself, so if we have food being distributed the way that it normally gets distributed, but kind of really by a a select group of few people that have managed over the many decades to make our system more and more efficient, right? Right. They've, They've streamlined it. Now what that does is that increases profits. That makes it so that food only flows certain ways and only to certain places. We got a Whole Foods down the street. Right. We live in the west side of Los Angeles. We can go down to Vaughn's Pavilions if we want, or we can go over to the Ralph's, the really nice Ralph's, or we can go to Whole Foods.
1: And there's going to be basically food there that is Pretty much, specifically designed to, to uh, relate to a sodium free diet. And you're going to be- get the
2: best of the best. All, no, you're going to get that. When your vegetables are sitting there, they're going to be the freshest vegetables, and we're going to have the nicest cuts of meat, and it's going to be packaged the best. Not everybody in the country gets that.
1: And so, folks, this is the kind of thing that we like to talk about because we talk about some uncomfortable subjects uh, on the show. And we've never really wrapped our arms around the concept of what it is that we're eating and how the type of food that is in our diet, uh, how that has affected overall uh, issues related to our life expectancy and our lifespan. And if you'd like to join the discussion, folks. Should food be the new hypertension? Should food be the new cancer? Should should we look at it like we look at smoking? Should we really consider our diet in terms of how it can increase uh, our lifespan simply by thinking about some critical issues that we haven't thought about before? If you'd like to join the discussion, you could reach us at 1-800-222-5222 one 800 we are going to be looking at a situation where we're not going to be able to buy food like we did before.
2: I go back to this idea of what we decided to do with the coronavirus. So if you go and it's pretty popularly reported in the last week, if you read any of the things that I read, I love to read Fareed Zakaria. For instance, he was writing this past week that if you go to some of the poor countries in the world, some of the places where people really are living, they're just one step away, right, from not having any food at all. Not right. just not having enough toilet paper on the in the grocery store, the, one particular kind of food like we're facing right now, no food at all. And you tell those societies to shut down the way we've shut down for the last five weeks, right. more people die there from starving to death than they'll die from the coronavirus. Right. They run the numbers and they say that's the way that it is. So in a way, it's, it's, we're fortunate that we live in such a prosperous country that we can shut down the system this way. Maybe we're okay, but what about other parts of the country? What about places where they don't get as much good food as we get?
1: And one of the things you were talking about, Jim, that I I find particularly concerning is that you're seeing a higher incidence of of deaths related to COVID-19 among communities of color. You're seeing a higher rate disproportionately among African Americans. Uh, I think among uh, Native Americans are way up there. Yep. Uh, But what you're also seeing is that in each of these demographics... There's a higher incidence of heart disease. Yep. There's a higher incidence of diabetes. Mm -hmm. And you have a situation where these underlying problems are becoming, instead of something that would reduce your life expectancy, it's something that will kill you. Because the coronavirus is attacking the body's immune system. It's attacking us in a way that if we have an underlying health problem – that health problem is going to be something that we have to look at in terms of you know can it become a fatal health problem
2: well it ends up becoming – so you've got the moral part of it right that's that is one question but you also got the cost to the economy the cost to our system so there's a this report from John Hopkins that I was reading the other day that that had some numbers where they were they were talking about population people of color particularly black people they were saying like for instance in Wisconsin here's some here's some numbers for you in Wisconsin black people make roughly six percent of the population. Right. Over 40 percent of the coronavirus deaths.
1: And that's not that's not an isolation. And
2: that's not an isolation. Louisiana, 32 percent of the population, 60 percent of the coronavirus deaths. Kansas, 6 percent of the population, 30 percent of the coronavirus deaths. The point is the numbers are clear. The data shows it. And if you go back and you say to yourself, well, that's kind of interesting because if you look at, say, the rate of diabetes, it's almost two to one blacks for diabetes, rate of diabetes. It's it's higher for heart disease. But it's if you also thing. look at
1: the food that's being consumed, and
2: then uh, you look these, these are at foods, that foods that are high in consumed, carbohydrates, yeah. high exactly. in How sodium, you get heart these are the same issues. Right.
1: Yeah, Mike, right. Mike from El Segundo, welcome to A Nation Divided. want to thank you for being so patient. haven't heard from you for a while. Hey, Mike, while. it's been a while. Welcome to the show, brother. Know, it's so you. good to hear your voice. You.
4: I listen to you, but I can't always call him. But I really love no, your show. You two are just great, two great people. Appreciate you, Mike. Thanks, Mike. You're welcome. Now, when I was a kid growing up in the 1960s, there was no way there were this many obese people. When you go out in public, in a store, in a park, anywhere, Absolutely. there just were not this many obese People. So something has definitely changed. And I believe I could be totally wrong, but I believe a lot of it has to do with what's being put into the processed foods that we buy, I believe people, because you have husband and wife working now. It used to be oftentimes one head of household working and the mom would stay at home, take good care of the kids and teach them the schools or not teaching them, teaching them to be better, you know, good people, all that. But now you got two people working, everyone's in a hurry, you got these microwave ovens And people are making a lot less food from scratch, and they're buying a lot more of these processed foods with this um, high fructose corn syrup in it, a lot of sugar. we haven't
1: taken obesity seriously. I mean, now, again, we live in Los Angeles. I live in Los Angeles. This is not as prevalent, but I had a case uh, a few months ago in Mississippi, and I spent quite a lot of time in Biloxi and the surrounding communities. Almost every single person... Was on some level dealing with just these were big folks and it was just accepted that, you know, they are going to be food.
2: They talk about it being an epidemic some places. Yeah. You know, right. we talk about having an epidemic in coronavirus. But, but.
1: if you're eating fast food for, for breakfast, lunch and dinner, that's one of the things that's going to happen. But the thing is, have we ever really looked at this as something that's going to kill you? We've looked at cigarettes. By oh, well, the way, the
4: leading cause of death has been for decades against heart disease. disease. I forget what the number is. I think it's over a million
2: a year. Right.
1: Oh, no, no. It's actually in America, it's it's like 650, but it's like they, they calculated it to like one in, Didn't in 37 seconds. Didn't coronavirus just exceed
2: seconds. heart disease like for one week? This past, for the, for so the, for the, the last time week, it was that. the number
1: one thing, yeah. Yes. Yeah.
2: But that's it, the noise level. I mean, when we
4: had the nine eleven, uh, you know, jihadist terrorist attack, that obviously for that day it's needed. Right. You know, everything else that's for a leading point, the cause of death. But yeah, that's point. like kind of the noise. You got to look over, you know, early you know, averages. You can't just look at short periods of time because right. you get a lot of noise. In
1: good point. Situations. Good point, Mike. So the thing is, though,
4: Mike, this is the thing. When I went to school in junior high school, we had physical education in high school. I believe the schools have dropped physical education. I could be wrong, but I believe instead they want to teach robotics and, you know, other stuff, other technology. And we also used to have the shops, you know, wood shop, metal shop, print shop, electric shop, auto shop. And the schools have dropped a lot of things that get people more physically involved and stuff and yeah. the other thing is a lot of jobs now people sit including myself you sit at a desk working at your computer I do software engineering systems so engineering. great
1: right. so uh, mike i got to i got to put you on hold real briefly we're going to have to take a break and i'm going to come back and start with you mike and uh, we're going to get to you also mike from from Montebello. but folks listen this, this is the discussion really well we've been taught you know that cigarettes are bad for you a cigarette will kill you we've been taught that it's bad to drink and drive that can kill you We've been taught quite a few things in terms of uh, how we need to deal with this new epidemic. But have we ever really thought about what it is that we're eating? Because that sneaky little coronavirus is picking out those of us who already have pre-existing problems. And we have to look at it not just in terms of what this disease is doing. But it's what it's preying on and who it's preying on. If you'd like to join the discussion, folks, you can reach us at 1-800-222-5222, 1-800-222-KBC. We're going to be right back after a short break. And we're going to really get to the bottom of what is killing us. We'll be right back, folks.
0: Others might shout you down.
4: Well, Mr. That chairman, we do a middle order. How many let's... times do we do this before we learn this?
0: We give you a voice. A.M. 790
3: K.A.B.C.
1: Welcome back, folks. We are A.M. 790 Talk Radio KBC. You are listening to A Nation Divided. I am Brian Don, My best friend, Mr. James Oates, coming to you live from Culver City. As we wade into week five of this surreal existence that is marked by social distancing, wearing masks, not touching each other, not talking to each other. And we're looking at the numbers. And this is no doubt something that we have to take seriously. Coronavirus, uh, COVID-19 is definitely no joke. It's definitely something that we have to take seriously. But when we look at the numbers, I think that the most stark statistic that that Jim read to me was that only eight percent—that is, eight, eight out of one hundred—of the people that have died from COVID nineteen
2: do not have an underlying
1: do not have an underlying yeah, health.
2: The vast, vast majority, and we know that, right? The vast majority of people that die from coronavirus had some kind of underlying health condition that led to that.
1: So. Should we be focusing only on the coronavirus or should we be focusing on the health condition that is associated with the coronavirus?
2: And see, I got I to keep going back to the same thing, though, Brian. Coronavirus is highlighting this. But, but it, to put it simply, I don't think anyone could argue with this. When you've got food that's in the fields, when you've got cows and chickens that are waiting to be taken to the processing plants and you've got milk that's being dumped out into ditches, something's wrong. Right. Especially when there are people who need the food. It'd be one thing if everyone had plenty of food and there was no one that didn't need any food. Right. That'd be one thing. But if people need the food and it's being dumped out, something's wrong with our system fundamentally. Some Somehow our distribution chain is jacked up and, and coronavirus is just highlighting it. And that.
1: the reason why that's happening is we've been motivated by the profit motive. And profit motive says make as much money right. as you can with as little expenditure as, can, as you can.
2: You got a moral issue and then you got a financial issue. So like you say, okay, fine. So the profit margin, got it. Get that. You're going to make more money. That's how our system works but then all of a sudden, when it comes back around and there's more ICU beds being taken up, then you know basically in other words, we don't we can't go to get a bed at the ICU because you've got people with underlying conditions that got those underlying conditions because they were essentially eating bad food right? They were not getting access to the same kind of food we get. That ends up becoming a financial problem. We end up having to pay for it in the back end. We pay for it one way or the other. So,
1: folks, what should we be on? focusing on as we now are dealing with this pandemic? Should we be focusing on all of the issues related to COVID-19, the distancing, the masks, the shutting the businesses down? Or should we also be looking at some issues that we take for granted? The fact that we eat fatty foods, the fact that we have problems with diabetes, the fact that we have so many issues related to the consumption of foods that are just going to raise our blood pressure, that, that are just not going to be healthy for us. And is this something that we should take seriously? You can reach us at 1-800-222-5222. Mike from El Segundo, we're going to put you on a brief hold. And we're going to switch to Mike from Montebello. Mike, I want to thank you so much for calling A Nation Divided. Welcome to the show. We are dying to know what you think, brother.
3: Uh, hello, gentlemen. Yeah, hello. all I can hear... Uh, between In between the lines of what you're saying is nanny state, nanny state. And uh, basically it sounds like you're afraid of the free market system and you think that a nanny state will better manage how we um, process, uh, produce, and distribute food and, and who gets to eat it and who doesn't. Now, the affected groups you've been mentioning, African Americans and others, have had at least 50 years of government and other agency information on proper diet and for the most part have chosen not to follow it you know generally speaking and have chosen not to teach their children proper diet so and, what's the government going come in and force them to eat what they want them to eat to be healthier i don't think that's a solution all right mike if I, can, if I can if i can if
1: i can ask you to pause briefly uh, i agree with most of what you've said except for the part about the managed state thing now you don't necessarily have to impose the governmental will into a situation like this to raise the public awareness as to what the problems are. I also wouldn't disagree with you uh, with regard to the fact that in many communities of color, there just hasn't been the same level of education with regard to diet and nutrition. In many ways, we've been too worried about getting jobs, getting an education, avoiding the prison, industrial complex, certain things that face communities of color have taken precedence. But you're absolutely right. I guess my real point for you, Mike, is this. Let's just say the past is the past. And we're going to move forward as a nation. Do you think that perhaps we are putting so much attention in isolation on this virus? And we're putting so much attention on how to handle this virus that we're not really thinking about the underlying problems that make so many of us more susceptible to this virus. And that perhaps when we think about the COVID-19 deaths, we should also be thinking about some of the issues related to what causes diabetes, what causes heart disease, and why these are the statistical populations that seem to be most vulnerable with regard to COVID-19. What do you think about that, Mike?
3: Well, my answer is uh, no. I don't think we're putting uh, so much information on one and not the other. I do think we're putting too much information on a virus that's no more deadly than auto accidents overall or the seasonal flu or H1N1. I do think that. I think we need to treat this the way we've treated other viruses and treat the influenza virus every year. And I and I don't think we need to try and put more education out there than we already have. Why would it be the case that um, the non-white populations don't have access to the same information as white populations? I mean, it, it, the information's out there for everybody, especially with the internet. You know, they, they put public service announcements on TV. I mean, what more can we do? These people make their own choices. It's about choice. All right, Mike, it's let me let me just put you on hold
1: very briefly. I don't want you to hang up. I want to put you on hold very briefly. If you'd like to join the discussion, folks, you can reach us at 1-800-222-5222. Once again, 1-800-222-5222. The issue that we're talking about today is are we putting too much emphasis on the virus? And are we not putting enough emphasis on the underlying health issues that seemed to make so many uh, people uh, in the United States more susceptible to the lethal effects of that virus.
2: You know, I think what Mike was saying, I mean, of course, it's true that the information is out there for everybody. Yeah, I think you can make that argument. I think, you can, yes. I think you can even make that argument over the argument about education. But here's the thing you can't deny. And, and I'd have to educate Mike on it some and take him to some of the places if he doesn't believe me. There are a lot of places in the United States of America Where you cannot get these kinds of foods. And if you do get a little bit of fresh food, what you're going to get is going to be the leftover second rate. It's not going to be the nice, pretty stuff that you get down here at Whole Foods. That is true. Now, again, profit margin, you can you can say that, well, the distribution companies have seen that over the decades, it's it's kind of, well, it's, it's dwindled its way down to saying that there's a higher profit margin by moving those products to these places than it would be saying moving them into the middle of Kansas or like moving them into Queens, New York or any of the other places we've mentioned, a, a, an Indian reservation in Arizona, for instance. It's going to make more money if you move it to Seattle or if you move it up to like the middle of Chicago or to Atlanta or someplace like that. OK, great. That's profit margin. But if we're just thinking about that, then I ask the question, well, now how are we going to pay for it on the other end? Because we're paying for it on the other end. Right. I mean, yeah, there's no doubt. You can't deny it. We are paying for it. So if you forget for a minute the moral question, and he's talking about nanny state, nanny state. Okay, well, but here's well, the well, thing. But the whole no, point, point is we've got to think a little no, bit I'm about I'm going to make that. this point really quick, Brian, because right. here's the thing that people don't really think about and they haven't thought deeply enough about it. The reason our systems are essentially this way is because we've digitized it and we've made computers figure all of this stuff out, and it's made our system more efficient over the last three, four decades but now here's the problem. If you don't tell the computers to calculate on something like coronavirus, you end up getting millions of gallons of milk spilled in ditches and you end up getting fresh vegetables getting getting tilled over because we never even calculated for this. All we did was think that the world was going to keep going the way that it was going for right, us all along. Right. And now we're having to pay the price.
1: And uh, when we use, you know, evil words, buzzwords like managed state and all yeah, of those right. things, We do have to consider a couple of things. The government is the reason why my law firm is shut down right now. The government is the reason why everybody out there is wearing a mask. The government is the reason why we have all of these stay-at-home orders and, yeah, and, and why a, you can't even go exactly. into a supermarket. Like,
2: I kind of agree with Mike. Like In, in a way, I think what Mike was but, also but wait, saying well, was – what Mike was saying uh, that that we've made too much of a big deal about coronavirus. But here's the thing. So if you're going to shut everybody down, then you also have to make sure that everyone has got a fair chance to get to a place to get food. But the point is, is that ways, if we
1: look right? at this as something that we have to take very seriously, this is a danger. This is something that is scaring us. This is something that is a global pandemic. Why haven't we looked at, you know, the type of foods that we eat in the same regard? Right. And if the government can say you're not going to run your law firm, why can't the government also say I am going to mandate that there be lower sodium uh in fast foods or we, we're going we to actually telephones. mandate we
2: did we did it with telephones and that didn't turn in you know it's, it's about, seriously it, we did it with we said that everybody had to have access to remember we did the show on the fcc we did the show on tvs Everyone in the united states of america needs access to the basic tv stations we said that right, right. i mean because that was considered a fair thing to do and everyone still got to make money it wasn't like the government was managing it
1: right real quick uh, james from mission hills thank you for holding I wanted to uh, hey. welcome to A Nation Divided, brother. Hey, You've been so patient with us. Oh, no, that's good. I love your show. Thank you so much, brother.
4: Thank you. Thank you. This is some great topics that you guys are talking about, and they're very important. Um, it, it alludes to a lot of things like food desert and things that like, are not available for a lot of minority groups and everything else. So right. it's very, very important, not just minority, but everybody in general, you know, people that just generally don't have access to, to good food. But here's my concern. And uh, what I'm doing is I'm consistently looking at the numbers. And I don't see, and, and I'm looking at the CDC, I'm looking at uh, L.A. County where I live, and I don't see um, inconsistent numbers of more people dying than, than they normally do with the flu. See, so the well, numbers aren't really there. They're so low, the number of people dying from coronavirus. But my, my biggest concern with everything that's going on, you know, the government shutdowns and what are potentially violations to the Constitution is, how do we know what it's going to look like next year if right. there's forced right. vaccination? Like vaccination is yeah. one of the very most controversial point. issues that a lot of people have. Because right. it goes along with the Constitution, like with these shutdowns that we have, you know, um, are, is it necessary? And it's not being asked by the media, not even on the radio. In And as much as I listen to this station and, and many others, um, the, the big question is, will we have a choice? To be vaccinated or not, because that
1: is a very good point.
4: Constitutional necessity that goes back to the foundation. Absolutely, of our James. I got to put the a bow on it right now. Rush.
1: I want to put you on hold very briefly. My producers okay. are telling me we, we got go to take a short break, but we're going to get to you right after the break, folks. If you'd like to join your discussion, we're looking at what should we be focusing on? Uh, is it the virus, or is it something that's underlying the virus? Who's actually being taken out, and why is it that only eight percent of those who have been killed by this virus did not have some kind of an underlying health issue and maybe we should be looking at health in general folks if you'd like to join the discussion we'd love to hear from you at 1-800-222-5222 we're going to try to stay alive and healthy through this break and we're going to be right back folks
0: In the CDC-recommended 20 seconds it takes to wash your hands, you can learn a lot, fast-talking, and right The Ben Shapiro Show, afternoons 3 to 6 on AM
1: 790 KABC. Welcome back, folks. We are AM 790 Talk Radio. You're listening to A Nation Divided. Coming to you live from Culver City thinking about what it is that's causing us so much fear and anxiety and so many things that are causing us an unprecedented level of concern. We're looking at the fact that the vast majority of people who are actually succumbing to COVID-19 have some underlying health issues. And we're also looking at the concept that many of these underlying health issues are related to simple issues like food, what it is that we're eating. And we're thinking about how it is that we should approach this. And folks, you've been so wonderful on the phones because this is something that we just don't usually talk about. Jim, you had some numbers that you wanted our listeners to know about.
2: Well, what I really want to do is I want to talk about, so the thing that we were saying right at the top and, and what we're getting to is, again, the distribution system, the way, that, the way that food is distributed in the United States of America and what that's going to mean for us in the next few weeks. So there are some estimates that are saying that over 25 percent of meat production is is been wiped out right now because of various reasons, but it's primarily because people have coronavirus in these meatpacking plants, and they right? can't
1: process the food yeah. from the farmers. And
2: here's and I just want to give this one quote: This guy is a ce the CEO of the Smithfield Processing, which is like the largest pork processing company in the country. They've closed down. They started with one plant. They've closed down now three plants in the last three days. well wow. And so they the one plant, the first plant they They shut down – makes five – produces or packages 5 percent of all of the the pork for the whole country. Five percent for the whole country, one plant. They just shut down three of them. And this is just one company. So this guy, Ken Sullivan, the CEO, what he said was that we were perilously close to a a meat shortage in the United States right now at this moment. And what he said was is that that the processing of meat is the bottleneck in our food chain and for the security of our nation – that he could not understate how critical it was that their industry continued to operate unabated. Those were his exact words. So here's a guy who's there on the ground level. He's a guy that's running these companies. And he's saying, look, man, if we shut down, you guys are going to have a real problem. All of you guys living in L.A. and Atlanta and Seattle and New York and all the places where you get the food, you think it's going to keep flowing to you? If we have to shut down these few plants, and you said the number very succinctly, 6,000 of them in California, 125,000 ranchers and farmers, 6,000 people are going to shut down the whole thing. You, I mean you nailed it, right? And so that's the thing that I, I think that's where we go with this whole deal is that it's our distribution system, and the distribution system just didn't do this overnight. It's been doing it for decades, and the coronavirus – that's basically what highlights it for us. So, folks, listen, we're really interested
1: in your opinions on the subject. You can reach us at 1-800-222-5222, one 222 5222 What should we be focusing on? Should we be focusing on health care in general? Should we be focusing on our underlying health? Or is it all about COVID-19? Mike, I wanted to come back to you from El Segundo. Thank you. What, what are your thoughts on the subject?
4: Thank you. I have several points I like to throw out here. I think are really important. Um, what what um, Jim just said shows that maybe we need to have some decentralization, not have uh, fewer really large meat processing plants. Well, if in time of war those plants were sabotaged or bombed or destroyed or something, we also need to get away from this left wing or progressive approach. Everyone should live stacked up and packed like sardines in highly dense tall residential buildings and ride buses and trains because that's probably what spread coronavirus so much in New York City was the high population density where they live where they um, commute etc. And that is a good another point another important Mike. point is that we need to hold China responsible we need to um, also bring back home all of the manufacturing of our medicines and all the all medical right, Mike listen you're throwing out a lot need. of
1: points you're throwing out a lot of points hold on I wanted to press you on just one though and that is the concept that China is responsible. Now, this was this virus was referred to in the, in the early days as the Chinese virus. Or the Wuhan virus. And the whole thing is I, I have some issues with that because one of the things that we haven't really done is we haven't given credit to China. China is the reason why we have the consciousness in terms of technology about this, this virus that we do. China's an, China analyzed it. China is the one that found the genetic code for this virus. China is the primary reason that we have the education on this that we do. And we're also I think seeing- the
4: reason I think, Brian, the reason that China had the genetic code on this virus is because I think they either created in their level four highest danger level biotechnology research lab in wuhan they may have either created this or they obtained it and they were researching it they probably had the genetic code before it got released either by accident or on purpose china had basically imprisoned the residents. let me me stop you briefly mike the issue is
1: that i when you say i think then i wonder when you say you think is it based on what is it based on exactly
4: Okay. First of all, China was withholding a lot of information that really secretive. They would not let American researchers and investigators come in to find and to find out what was going on. You know, they're a communist dictatorship. My God, I mean, they, they were arresting people who knew what happened. They're arresting them and making them disappear and never to be heard from again.
1: All right, let me yeah. let me let me pause you briefly, Mike. I know you had one more point. We're going to get right back to you, James from Mission Hills. Uh, let us know what you're thinking, brother. We really have some issues that are facing us as a nation right now. And some of them we could see coming and some of them we couldn't. What are your thoughts on this, James?
2: Yeah, and we cut you off there before, James. So continue with what Uh, you were saying.
4: No, it's great. I I, I think you guys have got a great volley of great conversation, and it's all very important. I wish we had more time for that. But, you know, and I actually do work in South LA, so I, I see the food shortages there and environmental issues. A lot of urban squalor, overbuilding of housing, or, or over urban development.
1: Would you mind and telling our deserts. listeners what you do uh, for a living, James?
4: I'm a college professor. I actually teach history. Oh, good for you! And thank you. Yeah, uh, yeah, I do. I'm a community college professor. We've gone online now and everything, so you know, I I, I enjoy it. I love it. I do. I do it, and uh, we, you know, we're still making the best that we can. But here's the thing that I tell my students again, and I kind of alluded to Benjamin Rush, one of our forefathers in the American Revolution. And one of the biggest questions is our constitutional rights as we know throughout the country now in these days today yesterday there's been a lot of public protest about the closures of major businesses in major cities and we're and we're teetering on whether or not for example gavin newsom our governor uh is doing it legally or violating the constitutional right or any other types of public quotas um so I know this is In very what new, way exactly,
1: James, would you say that uh, our, our governor has, has uh, Im- impinged on a constitutional right?
4: Well, there's nothing in the Constitution that says people cannot congregate in a time of illness. You, know, you have to be very careful. There's nothing in there, so right. you have to look what's there and what's not there as well. And this is so and this comes from a very
2: broad. It's it right. comes from a very broad set of like rules that say that the governor can kind of make some of these laws, the, but the laws aren't explicitly stated this way. But yet.
1: they're supposed to be emergency. Let me just ask you this one question, James: If these yeah. issues will save lives, I mean, if the governor's actions they they may be deemed draconian by some, but if if it is determined that they will save lives. Is that something that should not be, I mean, shouldn't that be the most important consideration?
4: Your question is very important, and it deserves an important answer. So I'm going to have to say that still, as I said earlier, the numbers of people dying are not consistent with the regular flu. The numbers right. with regular flu are higher. You can't change statistics. you got to see how all as the whole of what's happening. Well, in, that, in, in this 80 last 80, week, though, James, COVID
1: Oh, wait, in this last week, I just want to correct you on one thing. In this last uh-huh. week, the numbers for COVID-19 have been higher than the regular flu. But you're on, a, you're on the right track. Please continue, please, brother.
4: And, and I don't want to talk from a form of a doctor, respectively. I'm not going to. There is in the health movement questions as to whether or not how many of those people were vaccinated for the flu. Right. And here's my punchline question as I said earlier. Our concern, my concern, and even a lot of my students, is will we be forced to vaccinate ourselves next year? Is it going to be unilateral? Yes, right. And the president has not said that, and nobody anywhere in the media, not even uh, progressive, alternative, conservative media, wow. anywhere have I heard that, other than it's been applause. Now, I they, people make the argument, have we cured viruses uh, such as polio, myelitis, and things that came out after, during World War I, 1960. Well, James, that is an exact. amazing
1: point. I got to, unfortunately, due to time constraints, I have to, I have to cut you off briefly. Uh, Mike, I want to thank you for all your wonderful input from El Segundo and Mike from Mission Hills. I We're
2: think gonna, James was kind of getting at it, though. I mean, how is this thing going to wind up? And is it going to be a, a, a
1: constitutional yeah. question as to if you're being forced to be vaccinated or not? And that's an incredibly big issue. Right. In fact, we could probably, James... Uh, if you want to check in next week, we probably could devote a substantial part uh, of a show to that, because the issue really is that, and because there's going to be a vaccine, and it's going to be given. I'm not going to want to be one of the first people who gets it, right. of course. <laughs> <laughs> Let
3: me <laughs> but, test that virus, that virus vaccine yeah, on yeah, you yeah, first. Something yeah. about them human if trials. If for you, then maybe I'll try <laughs> it.
1: Anyway, folks, as we move forward uh, through the week, I want you all to be safe. I want you to understand that. We love it when you call, and even if we disagree with anything that you may say, we love you all. Be safe out there, folks. We're going to have some more talks along these lines next week. Be safe. Take care.
0: This show is furnished by The Conchrane Firm.